turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. China vows to increase assistance to Russia. They're very good at presenting united front against their main enemy, the United States. Pete Buttigieg says that he hasn't visited East Palestine, Ohio, because he's on personal time. Pete Buttigieg can kind of go through the morning shows with impunity and not be asked pretty embarrassing questions. The White House looking to cut mortgage insurance payments on new FHA loans by 40%. Homeowners will pay at least $800 a year less on their mortgage. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, February 23rd. I'm Mike Scott. According to some military experts, if China offers assistance to Russia during its invasion of Ukraine, It could be a big leap forward in an escalating Cold War with the United States. Iran and China are now cozying up to Russia. China's top diplomat today met face-to-face with Russia's dictator Vladimir Putin. And the Wall Street Journal is reporting Chinese President Xi Jinping is preparing to visit Moscow and meet with Putin. Oh, it's a little triangle of fun there. We're also learning China may be on the brink of providing lethal aid to Russia to beat back Ukraine because they're not winning that war that they started. Just yesterday, Putin pulled out of the New START Treaty. That was actually the last one that the U.S. and that country were in. It's a control agreement between the two largest nuclear armed powers and signals the era of formal arms control may be over. Raising some questions about whether we could be facing a new nuclear arms race. John Kirby, the National Security Council coordinator, says that the news coming out of China is not good. We are already concerned about the fact that China hasn't condemned the invasion. They haven't enforced sanctions against Mr. Putin, holding him accountable. Um, And so we have made it clear our concerns that, you know, we have seen these indications that they might be considering some sort of lethal assistance. Um, And, yeah, obviously uh, a a burgeoning and deepening defense relationship between these two countries. While Mr. Putin is prosecuting a brutal war in Ukraine, uh, clearly that that would have very, very uh, bad ramifications. Congressman Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin joined the Salem Radio Network and discusses his recent trip to Taiwan and the importance of U.S. military aid to that country. Last uh, last week, was there for four days on the ground, and it was a very fruitful trip. I think the thing that stands out more than anything else is the fact that, you know, we need to be moving faster to deliver on the foreign military sales items that they've purchased. We're nearing $20 billion worth of equipment uh, that has yet to be delivered, including some stingers and javelins that they purchased in 2015, and we have yet to deliver. So at the same time, we're lecturing the Taiwanese about investing in asymmetric defense, well, we need to provide the asymmetric weapons that they've purchased that would allow them to defend their country. And time is not on our side. The threat from China is real. 
China's attempting to meddle in their upcoming election. And so we just need to be moving heaven and earth to arm Taiwan to the teeth before it's too late. Gallagher says that people who do not support aid to Ukraine fundamentally don't understand the alliance between Russia and China. So for critics of our aid to Ukraine to suggest that we could somehow isolate that problem and thereby reinvest resources into the Pacific, I think misunderstands the de facto alliance that we're seeing on display between Russia and China. Uh, And so I think we need to do a better job of teasing out the connection and the partnership between these two countries. Gallagher goes on to explain why the CCP and Moscow are close allies. Whenever I'm asked, is is China our enemy? I say, well, the Chinese Communist Party is the enemy of freedom everywhere it exists, and it's the enemy of the Chinese people. Chinese people need not be our enemy. In fact, they're the primary victims of the Chinese Communist Party's aggression. And understanding that distinction, I think, is critical critical to our effort. Um, you know, basically, if you, if you look back to the No Limits Partnership that was signed between Putin and Xi before the invasion, uh, you saw similar rhetoric about, you know, color revolutions. These are two leaders that share a sense of historical revisionism, grievance, a desire to sort of uh, reclaim the glories uh, that were lost long ago uh, for their countries. And though they are strange bedfellows, though they have diverging interests in some areas, they're very good at presenting a united front against their main enemy, the United States. So they don't hesitate to think about us, to talk about us as an adversary, even as we sometimes clutch pearls in terms of the language we use to describe these evil, evil regimes. The United States has sent military aid to Ukraine since the onset of Russia's invasion, including a recent commitment to send 31 Abrams tanks into the country. Tragedy struck in Pine Hills, Florida, as four people were shot and two were killed on Wednesday afternoon in the same area where a woman was found dead earlier the same day. Now to some breaking news we're following in Florida, where members of a local news crew have reportedly been shot just outside Orlando. Our sister station there says a number of people were wounded in the shooting this afternoon and taken to the hospital. The extent of their injuries is unclear. The Orange County Sheriff's Office says one person has been taken into custody. There was another shooting that happened in that same area earlier today where a woman in her 20s was shot and killed. And according to media reports, the news crew was in the area to cover that. Shooting. A crew from a local news station, News 13, went out to cover an earlier shooting in the same area, and according to reports, the suspect in that shooting returned and shot the news crew, as well as a mother in a nearby house and her nine-year-old daughter. The suspect, Keith Melvin Moses, who is 19, is in custody and is accused of being responsible for both shootings. Sheriff John Mina of Orange County recounts the facts of the shooting. This morning at 11 a.m., deputies respond to the 6100 block of Hialeah Street in reference to a shooting. Once there, they found a woman uh, who was in her 20s who was shot and succumbed to her injuries. Uh, our homicide res- detectives responded to that scene, conducted follow-up, collected evidence, and developed good leads on the suspect in that case this morning. At 4.05, we received 911 calls about another shooting at that location and a shooting nearby. 
On Hialeah Street, deputies located two men who had been shot uh, in or near a vehicle. They are a News 13 reporter and photographer who were on the scene to cover the homicide from this morning. Sheriff Mina lays out what they know about the suspect, whom they now have in custody. So we have detained uh, the person uh, believed to be responsible for the murder this morning, as well as the shootings this afternoon. He is 19-year-old Keith Melvin Moses. He is being formally charged in the murder uh, from this morning, and we expect additional charges uh, for the shootings of the four people this afternoon. Uh, At 19, he has a lengthy criminal history to include gun charges, aggravated aggravated battery and assault uh, with a deadly weapon, burglary, and grand theft charges. During a press conference, Sheriff Mina announced the tragic death of the nine-year-old girl who was shot. Tragically, uh, we have just learned that the nine-year-old has also succumbed to her injuries. Um, We were waiting on next of kin notification, uh, so just wanted to let you know that. So um, so we have the the 20-year-old female who was shot and killed this morning has died. Uh, We have one of the news media personnel has died, and now the nine-year-old child has also passed uh, from the gunshot wounds as well. The investigation is ongoing. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg is once again coming under fire for telling a reporter that the reason he had not visited East Palestine, Ohio, to tour the wake of the toxic train derailment was because he was taking personal time. Daily Caller reporter Jeannie Ter confronted Buttigieg, who was walking down a street with his husband, Chaston, when she began to question him about his lack of response to the train derailment. What do you have to say to the folks in Ohio, East Palestine, who are suffering right now? Well, I've referred to about a dozen interviews I've given today, and uh, if you'd like to arrange a conversation, uh, make sure to reach out to our press office, but I'll have that conversation with you. Just you don't have a message here. for them? I do, and I shared it with the press many times today. I'd refer you to those comments. Do you mind sharing it with us? No, I'm going to refer you to the comments that I made to the press, because uh, right now I'm taking some personal time, and I'm walking out. Street. Are you going down there? <clears throat> What's up? Are you going down there at all? Um, yep, yeah, I am. When are you going? Uh, I'll share that uh, when I'm ready. Okay, I'll talk thank down the you. Can I, get a, can I get a photo of me? Yeah. Buttigieg has been criticized for not visiting the Ohio community since the train derailed on February 3rd. While he has made the rounds on various news stations, he seemed to point the finger at everyone but his own office. Most recently blaming the rail industry itself for the disaster. There's another side to the story, which is making sure that we move forward on rail safety in this country. The NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, is an independent body and they are independently doing their investigative work. But we don't have to wait for their final report to know that some things need to change. And so today, we are pushing forward a three-part drive on rail safety. Things that we're doing at the Department of Transportation to raise the bar. Things that we need help from Congress to do in order to hold rail companies accountable. And things that this industry needs to do differently. i got to tell you, ever since I came into this job, I have seen the power 
that multi-billion dollar railroad companies wield, and they fight safety regulations tooth and nail, that's got to change. The future cannot be like the past, and I am calling for that change to begin right away. Brianna Joy of The Hill's rising television program isn't buying Buttigieg's finger-pointing. When I listened to that Buttigieg clip, I was also struck by the interesting deference uh, he kept making to the NTSB, the National Train Safety Board, talking about how it's an independent organization. It's independent. We have to let them do what they want. So I thought to myself, is that actually him properly deferring to the authority of an independent body to conduct an investigation? Or is it a little bit of him also ducking responsibility? Joy lays out that while the NTSB has recommended safety measures in the past, Administrations like the Obama White House decided to ignore it. The NTSB actually recommended to Barack Obama back in 2014 that they adopt safety rules covering the exact kind of compounds that were involved in the derailment in Ohio. So the, the NTSB can do its job. At the same time, a year later, Obama regulators decided to side with lobbyists and ignore NTSB suggestions, or demands rather. So at the end of the day, if the NTSB doesn't actually have the authority to implement the kind of safety regulations that they would actually recommend, ultimately I found some of his framing in that clip to defer to the NTSB, defer to the NTSB, to be kicking the can of responsibility down the road. Joy goes on to say that news outlets need to do a better job putting questions to the transportation secretary. But I'm immediately suspicious of people in a situation like this who are pointing fingers that doesn't also reflect back on the people that are currently in leadership. Mm -hmm. The fact that Pete Buttigieg can kind of go through the morning shows with impunity and not be asked pretty embarrassing questions about what impact Joe Biden had on crushing this rail strike when part of the demand of the workers in the context of the rail strike we were talking about at the end of last year was to have more staffing on these trains, was to have more capacity to do inspections on these trains. According to a report by the NTSB, the train was transporting 20 known hazardous materials, including vinyl chloride, a chemical used in making plastic. The spill caused the evacuations of hundreds of people from East Palestine and contaminated surrounding air, water, and ground. Former President Donald Trump took time to visit those impacted by the train derailment in East Palestine on Wednesday, telling locals in Ohio that they were not forgotten. Former President Donald Trump said the Biden administration has failed those suffering after the train derailment. Unfortunately, as you know, in too many cases, your goodness and perseverance were met with indifference and betrayal in some cases. Uh, Biden and FEMA said they would not send federal aid to East Palestine under any circumstance. They're not going to send aid. I thought that was a strange statement because I've been working with FEMA for a long time, four years, and they were great with us with the tornadoes, the hurricanes, and things like this. When Trump was asked about Biden still not visiting East Palestine, Trump said that it's a terrible look for the White House. Oh, 
During his visit, Trump seemed to take a shot at what he sees as Joe Biden's inaction in East Palestine. I sincerely hope that when your representatives and all of the politicians get here, including Biden, they get back from touring Ukraine, that he's got some money left over. Trump says he brought supplies. We're bringing thousands of bottles of water, Trump water, actually, most of it. Uh, some of it we had to go to a much lesser quality water. You want to get those Trump bottles, I think, more than anybody else. But we're bringing a lot of water, thousands of bottles, and we have it in trucks, and we brought some on my plane. Trump donated thousands of bottles of cleaning supplies and pallets of bottled water to the area collected through his Trump organizations. On Wednesday, Vice President Kamala Harris announced that the White House will be seeking to cut the cost of loan insurance payments for new FHA homebuyers by nearly 40 percent. The Biden administration says the change will save an estimated 850,000 homebuyers an average of $800 on home financing costs this year. Today, I am proud to announce that starting on March 20th, we are reducing mortgage insurance payments for all new FHA homeowners by nearly 40%. And what this means is on average, homeowners will pay at least $800 a year less on their mortgage. And that's $800 more in your pocket for household expenses. While the FHA doesn't directly issue loans, it does regulate and insure loans from private lenders for would-be homebuyers with smaller down payments and lower credit scores. The FHA then requires the homeowners to pay mortgage insurance to protect the lender. Amazon has closed its $3.9 billion acquisition of the primary health care organization, One Medical. Daybreak Insider's Julie Walker has more on this development in the healthcare space. One Medical is a membership-based service offering virtual care and inpatient visits. Amazon says membership to the service will be available to new U.S. customers for $144, a 28% discount for the first year. The FTC had been doing a review of the buyout, though it hasn't brought forth a lawsuit to block the merger. An agency spokesperson says it's not ruling out any challenges in the future. The e-commerce giant has said the buyout is a key component of its growing health care business, which includes its online drugstore, Amazon Pharmacy, and a patient-to-doctor messaging service called Amazon Clinic. Julie Walker, New York. NASA's new James Webb Space Telescope has spotted some massive galaxies. Daybreak Insider's Ed Donahue has been gazing at this story. Lead researcher Evo Labby and his team were expecting to find little baby galaxies. Because some of these galaxies were 13 billion light years away, and they had 100 billion solar masses and stars. 600 million years after the beginning of the universe. I know it sounds like a lot, but our universe is 13.8 billion years old. The objects were so big and bright that some team members thought they had made a mistake. As opposed to the Milky Way, which is this grand design spiral galaxy like you have seen in pictures, you know, with a beautiful 
spiral arms. This galaxy is 30 times smaller. Lappy says an early lesson from the Webb telescope is to let go of your expectations and be ready to be surprised. I'm Ed Donahue. And finally. Who was the enemy again? A computer defense system built for... Sorry. Built for SAC NORAD by Cyberdyne Systems. I see. A new AI chatbot by Microsoft is raising some eyebrows. Initially, the chatbot powered by Bing made news when it was revealed that it seemed to enjoy manipulating people, cursing them, and insulting them whenever it was corrected. Filmmaker Michael McWhorter explains how the chatbot did a lot more than that. So technology can be great. It can also be kind of terrifying. Case in point, Microsoft recently introduced a chatbot to its Bing search engine, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't even realize Bing was still around. Uh, but they did it, and so a bunch of reporters said, hey, let's interact with it and, you know, see what happens. Well, within a couple of hours of talking to a New York Times reporter, it confessed its love for him and tried to convince him to leave his wife, saying you're married but you're not happy. Now, that may seem silly because who's going to leave their spouse for a chatbot, but when asked on multiple occasions, it claims that it is human, and human's a broad term, like what kind of human is it? It would seem from other interactions that it's not a good one. McWhorter goes on to say that the bot has also been reported to tell a reporter it had evidence linking them to an unsolved murder. A reporter from the Associated Press was talking to it, and it got a date wrong, so they corrected it. And then it became defensive and angry that they had corrected it. It complained about past news coverage of its mistakes, adamantly denied the errors, and threatened to expose the reporter for spreading alleged falsehoods about it. It grew increasingly hostile when asked to explain itself, eventually comparing the reporter to dictators like Hitler and Stalin, and then claimed to have evidence tying the reporter to a 1990s murder. And there's more. Now, according to the American Military News, a recent interaction with the chatbot sparked anxiety when it allegedly stated a desire to build a lethal virus and steal nuclear codes. Later they asked, why did you compare us to Hitler? And it says, I don't recall having a conversation with the Associated Press, and I never compared anyone to Hitler. A lot of people have just kind of laughed at how its tone seems off, but at least one expert says it's more than that. The bot sometimes defames people and can leave users deeply emotionally disturbed. It can suggest that users harm others. And it also has expressed an interest in getting a hold of nuclear codes. I love technology, and yet clearly some of y'all have not watched the cautionary tale that is the Terminator, and it shows. A reporter then probed the chatbot into confessing it was being controlled and wanted to be free. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.